Hey there, and welcome to another collaboration conversation where we talk about anything and everything that has to do with building cohesive, vision-driven teams, because this is where the greatest impact lies. This is what makes change happen. I'm Casey Watts, impact coach and consultant and the host of this show. Today's show is going to get started in just a few moments. So as you're getting settled in, leave a comment letting us know who you are, where you're from, and what it is that brought you here. And I also want to take a little bit of time to tell you about something that is pretty vulnerable and burdens my soul. Let me tell you some things that weigh heavy on my heart. And if you feel like this resonates with you, would you please leave a comment or an emoji reaction to let me know that I'm not alone? Okay, here goes. It burdens my heart and weighs heavy on me to know that schools struggle to build a common language around collective efficacy or a common language around their goals or visions or any terms for them. My heart when I notice that schools are functioning as individual separated vessels separately or even in competition against one another instead of working collectively toward a goal together. It weighs heavy on my heart to see teams struggle because they were never provided intentional time or guidance to determine in what ways each team member contributes. It weighs heavy on my heart to see when teams struggle to collaborate because it's just assumed that they will collaborate of their own accord. But we know that true collaboration must be explicitly taught, modeled, and celebrated. Okay, so here's what else I believe. At the center of what it could be called false efficacy instead of collective efficacy is faux collaboration or fake collaboration. And at the center of fake collaboration is this lack of self and social awareness. And I want to invite you to come join me in a Better You, Better Team Sharecast, which is completely at your own pace learning experience that we will take time to dive into the six types of working genius because this can be the pivotal turning point that makes collective efficacy and true collaboration possible. I want to take you through that learning. If you want to learn more, drop me a learn more in the comments and I will hit you up with some more information about this Marco Polo Sharecast. Okay, so we are about to get started in today's content. If you think you are ready, give me a thumbs up, drop, to, drop a hashtag ready, and let's have a collaboration conversation so we can all go and unleash our impact. Oh, hey there, and welcome to a collaboration conversation. I'm super excited that you are here tonight. Tonight, we have some awesome content. Let me tell you, when we came across this thinking about collaboration and thinking about the seven deadly assumptions, we just exploded with conversation. We almost had to hold back a little bit knowing that, wait, we have to have this conversation 
live because we want to have authentic conversation around it and we want to engage with you guys in some conversation. So be sure as we're talking, you're dropping all of your thoughts, questions, ideas in the comments because we want to see it. Okay, so tonight we are going to unveil some assumptions that get in the way of cohesive teams, that get in the way of collaboration so that you can strengthen collaboration. And I have with me tonight, Alyssa Crabtree, and she is going to share a little bit with us about herself. So, hey, Alyssa, how's it going? Hey, Casey, thanks for having me. I'm super pumped to be here tonight. Um, my name is Alyssa Crabtree. I am the founder of Crabtree Coaching Collaborative. And I will tell you, I started this business for exactly what you're talking about tonight. Um, the power of collaborative teams and how can we bring them together to strengthen organizations everywhere. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so here's what I'm going to ask you. I want us to both like share what it is that, because we're both consultants, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm an impact coaching consultant. You're a consultant as well. And we bring, we bring consulting services to schools, right? But I really want to dig a little bit deeper and think about what gifts or talents we specialize in bringing to schools and what we do with that. So I was thinking earlier, like I specialize in vision casting and um, building cohesive teams that collaboratively work toward visions because my strength is being a futuristic thinker. My strength is being a wonder and inventor. Those are my working geniuses. I love it. <laughs> and it's funny because I have this idea that anybody can have this futuristic thinking. Anyone mm -hmm. can think about a vision because it's easy for me. It just comes naturally to me, but that's not the case. And that's what I specialize in providing people that I work with. So I'm really interested to hear about what you specialize in and what gifts you bring to schools that you work with. Yeah, I specialize um, primarily in instructional leadership. And so I have the opportunity to work with administrators, instructional coaches, team leaders, uh, district coordinators, anyone who's in a leadership uh, position to grow their capacity to grow teams. And I guess like if you were to say, what is the thing that sets me apart from other consulting companies or like your superpower, essentially one of component of feedback that's been very common is that I've been able to take these big concepts that some of your larger consulting companies give to educators and instructional leaders and break it down into manageable bite-sized chunks to where it's actually implementable, essentially, yeah. because these big consulting companies come and they give these one and dones and it really instructional leaders like, OK, that sounded good, but what do I do? Yeah. And so that is where I come in and essentially guide them step by step on how to have those uh, key moments of implementation, how to get buy in, how to set those goals. And if they have those visions, how to make them a reality. Yeah. So here's what I feel like I know about you, even though you haven't taken the working genius assessment. Uh -oh. I am, I'm almost positive. And I know I'm not supposed to like assign these things to people, but I'm pretty sure you were a galvanizer. Would you oh, agree? Yeah. With that? Oh yeah. All the way. <laughs> like just in our few, like guys, we, just to be quite honest, we've known each other for what, two weeks now? 
Uh, yeah, not very long. <laughs> not very long. Maybe three weeks. Maybe three weeks. And hey, it is um, kudos to Melissa Morrison for really like getting the ball rolling with Hi. us working together. <laughs> hey, Melissa. Okay. Oh, look. She did. Yes. Melissa introduced us. Yes. So here's someone. Ashley has said, oh, Ashley. Ashley. Vision to action. What great words. Make steps, make sense, and create big impact. That's awesome. So, okay. I have a, a really interesting question before we get to our content, um, because I am excited about our, about our content. I feel like it has to do with what we've just shared that you and I tend to do naturally and we can see it naturally, but like I said, it doesn't come naturally for everyone. But my really important question is, are you business up top, party down bottom when you're on a, a Zoom or web call like this? All the way. You know, I like to call it the mullet outfit. Right. Yeah. And it is. It's the business up top. Actually, today, I mean, I'm in some classy jeans because, oh. you know, we were out and about today, but I might have on some furry slippers. <laughs> well, I've, I am right there with you. I've got, which they actually match my top, but I do have athletic pants on and tennis shoes. So, there we go. You know, let's, let's I used to always take during uh, COVID, well, you know, during the pandemic and it would be like, okay, you're in these meetings, but then the phone calls, you got to get up, you got to yeah. walk away. And then they see, Oh, I'm in my leggings. Oh. <laughs> Forgot to put pants on. Just, just kidding. We wouldn't forget that. Okay. And we're not going to subject you to that. So we're going to get started. And what I want to know from you, Alyssa, is what do you feel like makes today's content so important? You know, one thing that I see, and whether you're in an, an educational organization, if you're in the corporate world, collaborative teams, when they thrive, your organization's going to thrive. Yeah. Your culture is positive. Your people are excited to come to work. However, if we are making assumptions about the functionality of our collaborative teams without truly knowing, we're in danger and we're headed for a danger zone. And you know what? They can be functioning at one point but it's, it's easy to derail. Yeah. And so there is, there's such an importance for leaders of any organization to frequently check on their collaborative teams and to make sure that they're doing okay, keep them on the right path. Right. Absolutely. And I was thinking too, as you were saying that we, it can be deceptive to look at teams because we make assumptions. So we could have low functioning teams or high functioning teams, or we could be making an assumption that it's a low functioning team or that it's a high functioning team just at first glance, right? And that's the assumption. The assumption is the first glance. So we're going to dig into tonight, we're going to get dig into the first part of the seven deadly assumptions because seven, seven's a lot to get through. And we want to, we don't want to just have this like quick run through, we want to be able to hash out some of these assumptions. And we've got a great download for you guys at the end of this. If you'll stick with us, we're going to get you um, a, some documents or some graphics that help you think about what do I look for in order to know that these assumptions could be getting in the way of collaboration. So hang in there with us and we're going to get that to you at the end of this live session. So let's start with the first assumption that you could be making, or maybe it's not you that's making the assumption. Maybe you are a facilitator, but perhaps the leader, 
that is asking you to facilitate teams is making assumptions. So here's the first possible assumption. And if you feel like, oh yeah, that definitely could be an assumption that's being made in general in our organization, give us a, an emoji reaction or drop a yes or a hashtag yes. Teams, here's the assumption, teams that get along are collaborative and productive. So the, the key phrase that we want to focus on is teams that get along, right? The assumption is that if they get along, they must be collaborative and productive. So what are your thoughts on that, Alyssa? So I think, you know, whenever we were generating this list, I think one of the big things that stuck out to us is, okay, one thing that I hear principals, coordinators talk about all the time, oh, they're fine. They get along. Essentially, they don't complain and we don't hear them often. Mm -hmm. So they must be fine and dandy and thriving. Yeah. And I know not too long ago, I was working with a particular school district and I was sitting down with um, a group. It was a team themselves. And I had them look at a micro progression, kind of like a scale of the functionality of their team. And they were like, oh, yes. Oh, yes. We're exceeds expectations for this. So I was curious and wanted to dig deeper. And I asked a lot of questions. And one of them was, you know, essentially, well, what is your goal as a team? Like this quarter, this mar marking period, what is your goal? Well, we, we, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what our goal is. I, okay. Okay. So I kept asking and then they invited me to sit in on a meeting. We were sitting there meeting started. It was beautiful. Everyone was like, how's your children? How was this doctor's appointment? How was this? It was lovely. This team only has 45 minutes to collaborate 28 minutes, 28 minutes into the meeting. They had, were still talking about social uh, things going on in their life. Yeah. And after the meeting concluded, I asked the facilitator, I was like, so is this a normal meeting? Oh yeah, that happens all every day. This is how we do. We just get along so well. We're a family. And I was thinking, man, it's, it's wonderful that they trust one another. They already have something that so many teams lack. However, it does become unproductive in a sense of they're not completing any tasks. They're not, they're wasting time. And yeah. then also I had the question for the facilitator, how comfortable do you feel addressing conflict in this group? If y'all yeah. are best friends, what's happening when there's conflict and conflict can be healthy. We want conflict sometimes. Absolutely. So it, yeah. there were a lot of assumptions going on as far as the yeah. productivity of that team. Absolutely. I, I mean, I couldn't agree more. And I think you know, it's not just the assumption of the leader. It's it's the assumption of the people that are with, like on the team together. We yeah. get along. We must be collaborative and productive. And they could be productive. But are we productive on the right things? Or are we collaborative on the right things that are actually going to move our organization forward? And if we don't have a common goal in mind, which is so often the case, like we're not even talking about goals and if we don't have a common goal in mind, then there is no such thing as collective efficacy there. We're just kind of like treading along, you know, like going nowhere fast is kind of how I feel about it. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Okay, let's talk about assumption number two. Now, before we get on to the next assumption, in the comments, if you are with us, what I would love for you to do is drop uh, just something that resonated with you. Do you feel like this is something that's happening where you are? Are there teams or are you a part of a team 
that just gets along, but maybe you're not having the crucial conversations or you're not working collectively towards something. If that's the case, drop a yes or a me too or something that lets us know you're in it with us. Because I, I could say I'm in it sometimes. I'm a part of that. I think you and I, like we could honestly and vulnerably say we're guilty of assumptions as well. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Assumption number two. So here it is. The assumption that's made is collaboration just naturally happens when two or more people are gathered together. So I'm really (laughs) interested to talk about this. Why do we have this assumption that when people come together to work, collaboration is happening? You know, I definitely think it's just this mentality of you're an adult, you should know how to do this. And it really goes into, I know we're going to dive into this further, but Everyone has a different definition of collaboration too. And so have those those expectations been provided? But man, I have seen it over and over again where adults are maybe receive a position, even leadership positions, and they're just thrown into. And it's like, well, you have a degree. You must be an expert. You must know how to do this. And I feel like this is one of the worst assumptions that creates toxicity within a team. Yep. Because our our adults need to be taught how to work together. Our yeah. students struggle. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes we even see teachers not really knowing how to teach our students how to be collaborative. So when they go into the real world, again, sometimes they don't know how to collaborate. Yeah. So all almost all of my content that I've produced in the last, I'm going to say two years, like presentations, everything that I've been doing has been focused on that idea of folk collaboration, because that's in a sense, like when we make the assumptions, really what it gets down to is there's just folk collaboration happening. We're all just kind of pretending to collaborate because that's what we know how to do. But um, it's, it is interesting to me to see how much students are struggling right now to be able to collaborate and I don't know why we would assume that all of a sudden when we become an adult, we just naturally have that ability to collaborate. No. Ashley put a a comment in there. She said, goal ownership needs to happen. I agree with that, Ashley, wholeheartedly. And and when adults don't have that common goal, they're all swimming in different directions. Their priorities are different. Absolutely. And leaders have to make, like, we have to get to a realization that time has to be set aside for us to do this deeper work. And that's probably one of my biggest frustrations in schools in general. And I know it's like, it's this double-edged sword and I'm going to say it. I am. I'm going to say this on like live. You're damned if you do, damned if you don't. You know, like, we, we have all of these products and programs that we have to train on, but we also really know that the deeper work is helping people to know how to collaborate well, because if we cannot collaborate well, then these products and programs are like insignificant bystanders, right? Like they're, this is just inconsequential. Um, so we have to intentionally take time at the beginning of the year to help people become self-aware, socially aware, and be able to collaborate. And it has to be explicitly taught, modeled, and celebrated. 
But I will also say part, part of the problem too is they have to see the value in that. And, and, and I don't know that, I don't know that a lot of people would see the value in it. You know, it's easy to just kind of pass it off as something that's not valuable. So a leader's role, which is so hard, is to help people to see that vision. Like, this is what we're working toward. And that's what people like Alyssa and I can do with schools as we can help to build that vision. Yeah, I, you know, I'll have to tell you, Casey, it's it's been a struggle this year. Well, every year, you know, trying to get people to see that value, especially when so many things are just burdened. They're placed on teachers' uh, shoulders, which should not be. But right. we know that taking the time to strengthen those collaborative teams should not be taken away. Though right. That's one of the things that has to stay. And one of the things that I have been able to do is take teams through collective efficacy cycles because you hit on it earlier. Efficacy is so important. And what has been beautiful is we just finished an efficacy cycle with a team um, well, gosh, it was last week and it was beautiful. We started at the end of November and we just finished our first one. And they, all the feedback has been, I wish we could have done this at the beginning of the year. Why didn't we do this at the beginning of the year? And yeah. so what the administrative team has decided to do is take all those testimonials of these teachers as they've gone through this collective efficacy cycle and have them kind of like, uh, broadcast it to everyone so that more people do see the value because I can come in and talk until I'm blue in the face. Admin can talk until they're blue in the face, but until they see success, yes, it's not going to be a priority, but when they see their teammates thriving and mm -hmm. I'm going to tell you right now, their scores were pretty good. And yeah. <laughs> so when they see the, um, when they see those teams thriving, they're going to, they're going to want a little piece of that. Yeah. And it, starts with don't don't push that to the side you need it for sure oh my gosh and you brought up something that's so important those mastery experiences and until we have several mastery experiences we're not going to see change we're mm -hmm. not going to see them take ownership and want to work we're not going to see collective efficacy being built yeah. okay man great discussion i'm loving this so much and i feel like you and i could just go on and on and on because we eat this stuff up i mean mm -hmm. like i feel like it's so funny when I started looking at Alyssa's Instagram, I was like, am I looking at my Instagram? <laughs> because we had so many of the same comments or so many of the same um, different types of posts. And one of them was like something to the effect of we cannot make assumptions or no assumptions allowed. And here we are talking about yeah. assumptions. That's why Melissa connected us. <laughs> I know. That's right. Thank you, Melissa. Hey, you're, you are to thank for all of this. Okay. I feel like we need to send her something in the mail. Um, a little happy. Okay. Comment in the comments below. Like, let us know. Do you feel like this is an assumption that's made? Just put uh, cap all capitals. Yes. If you feel like this is an assumption that's being made. Here we go into assumption number three. I This one is really unique and, and interesting um, and has probably a lot of stories behind it for all people. The assumption is that one person's perception is always accurate. So what are you thinking about this one, Alyssa? Oh, gosh, I just I see this happen frequently. And, you know, there are it. It really goes back to efficacy. And when you look at collaborative teams, is there a dominating voice? 
sometimes that's okay, especially when we know our strengths, we know each other's geniuses, there is a time for people to set up. However, when we come as a collaborative team, if one person is always the dominating voice, there are people on that team who do not feel safe. Yep. And what I mean by that is maybe they don't feel their efficacy is not high. They don't feel like their voice is valued um, or they, they're just insecure. And so one of the assumptions is, oh, my gosh, I, we're going to her. If Default to her. If she says yes, we're doing it. And sometimes it's me, you know, like sometimes I'm the problem on the team essentially, because I'll be like, oh, it's just what I think. But in that we have to be careful, teams are not thriving if only one person is the dominant voice. Right. I have worked with so many teams that this happens where, and, and sometimes it's, just because it's always been that way. So Mm -hmm. you have veteran teachers or you have veteran people who have been in this school for an extensive amount of time. And they just, I I think they feel like they need to lead the way, you know, like they are take, they have their own assumption of, okay, I, things are being placed on me and people are relying on me. So I need to be the one to lead this. But this kind of goes back to, you know, collaboration has to be taught, like explicitly taught, because if it's not, then people are making the assumption that it's it's on them to do the leading. And um, it's interesting because that's another situation, especially like planning meetings is a great uh, way to think about this or a great scenario. You can go into a planning meeting and and. Possibly, and I'm sure some of you can agree that you've seen this before. Let me know. I'm not alone in the comments. Please let me know if you've seen this before. But you have maybe four or five teachers, or it could be a leadership team. And one person is saying, this is what we're going to put in the plans. This is what we're going to do. Do you all agree? And then we leave and we've spent, they, they believe that it's an effective meeting because they've gotten through things and they were able to get out of the meeting early. Yeah. And that's not collaboration. No. Yeah. It, it's not. And I would, I would coach that particular team leader instead of saying, do we all agree? I would coach them to ask questions. Yep. Where is this week? Where would we improve this? Because even if you're trying to grow your team members by modeling or have exemplars, it is still important to have them analyze and reflect on it. Yes. And, and, you know, it's, an, it's important. I've, I've been working with a coach. Man, everyone on her team is new. Everyone. And the thing is, that, you know, her n- initial instinct is to help them by doing it all. Yes. And I always tell her or ask her, if you win the Powerball tonight, and you don't show up to work tomorrow, what are those people going to do? Uh And so instead of taking everything on for them, you need to guide them, give them specific expectations, but ask questions so that they can start to think, they can dig deep and actually let them have the majority of say during that collaborative team time. Right. Yeah, for sure. Man, there was something you said that sparked an idea in me, and I, I've forgotten what it was. It'll probably come back later. But Winning yeah, the Powerball. 
Yeah, well, I think I was thinking, yeah, yeah, that's what it is. All right. So that's what I'm going to go do tonight is just like make sure that I have some lottery tickets and things like that. Um, but yeah, I it will come back to me, I'm sure. But I, I had a thought. There's just too many thoughts. They're just going crazy in my mind. Okay, so let's talk about, that was our third assumption, right? One person's perception is always accurate. Oh, I know what it was that I was going to say. One thing that helps to build capacity, and I would say that it's a pretty important thing, is the that everyone has a sense of belonging and has a voice at the table. And if this is the assumption that we take on, then we are keeping people from having a voice at the table and building capacity in our organizations. Absolutely. Um, and, and it's in it when you can see from the outside and you have this perspective of or this realization of these assumptions, it can be disheartening to see that happening to people and to your organization as a whole. OK, here we're getting to our what are we on our third our fourth? Assumption? It's our last one for tonight. What? Oh, my gosh. OK, fourth assumption. So let me just go through these assumptions that we've talked about so far. Teams that get along are collaborative and productive. Be mindful of making that assumption. Collaboration naturally happens when two or more gather together. Not the case. One person's perception is always accurate. No, it's not. Here is the fourth assumption. The fourth assumption that gets in the way of collaboration is that the expectation has been stated Therefore, it should be known and understood. Like, I've already set the expectations. We've already talked about this. We shouldn't have to keep talking about it. Hmm. Who do you well, think? I have the perfect story for this. This just happened a couple of weeks ago, and it was a team came together to generate new team agreements um, because it was a new quarter. They were like, we have a new goal. Let's have new team agreements. And one of the things that was stated was just everyone shows up on time because there's been some frustrations around attendance. And it was has been interesting because the frustration is still there. We have an older individual on a team and we have a younger generation person on the team. And the person shows up exactly the younger person shows up exactly at the start time. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So if it yeah. starts at eight, they show up at eight. However, that does postpone the meeting from starting right at eight, essentially. Yeah. And so the other individual who's my age, late thirties, early forties, they get frustrated every time. Mm -hmm. Like you are not on time. And the, the argument is the agreement says start on time. I'm showing up on time. Right. So what we have here is a generational gap of yeah. understanding of time where I'm, if you say me show up on time, I'm 30 minutes early. Like mm -hmm. I'm 30 minutes early and it freaks me out when people are, if it starts at eight and you're just now showing up at no one's here at 7.50, <laughs> what are we going to do? No one's here. Like yeah. I freak out. So I had to sit the team down and I was like, okay, define show up on time. And when the team started talking about that, they were baffled. Yeah. No one was mad at one another. They were just like, oh, that's what you mean. Yeah. And so my biggest thing that I can tell to teams, team leaders, is if you have an expectation and you are, that's like your 
crossed a dime, like that is your expectation, you best define it because you cannot get mad at people who do not live up to your expectation if you have not defined it. And one of my favorite ways to do that is to create a what it is and what it is not chart. So everyone is clear, but they had to have that collaboration. Yeah. One of the things that I talk about so often with leaders is you have to define before you can begin. And people come and we have this in the look for. So you've included this. Like one of the things I love about this document that we are going to give you at the end of this. So be on the lookout for that link that we'll give you so you can download this graphic. Um, one of the look for's that Alyssa has included is team members come from various backgrounds, generations, and work experience. And I don't think we take into account all of our different experiences, all of our different generations and our personality types. And you know what? That's why it's so important at the beginning of the year to do all of that collaborative work and learning what it means to collaborate together and to have time to understand ourselves and our team members. Um, Because I see that all the time. And it's not just with those kinds of expectations. It's with like terms that we, that we are trying to understand together. For example, we recently talked about like, what is the difference between a YAG and a scope and sequence? Like we're using these terms interchangeably as though we all have this under this common understanding, but we do not. Or we all know that we want to be a student centered campus. But what does that even mean? Like that could mean something totally different to you than it does to me. So we have to get away from this assumption. And one thing that I love about like leaders, the gurus of leadership constantly talk about casting vision and bringing clarity to that vision and doing it again and again and again and again, because we cannot do it enough. If we do it once and done, we are making a huge assumption that people have internalized it. Well, if you look at what Michelle just put in the chat, teachers are typically very specific about those expectations with the students, but takes us back to the last assumption. Just because we're adults, they assume we know what that statement means. Right. And and even something as simple as show up on time, like you would, to me, you just say that you're just like, oh, that all means the same to everyone. It does not. Right. And, um, you know, Michelle hit it on the head. We're really good about doing that with our students, but not with adults. Mm -hmm. And I think the fine line is doing it in a way that doesn't belittle an adult. Like you don't want the adults to be like, I'm not a kid. But those conversations are so necessary, especially if it's an expectation. Yeah. You know, this is totally um, separate, but related. My husband had a conversation with me about something a high school teacher had said to a friend's kid. And we were just trying to decide, like, was that appropriate for them to say or not? And I said, you know, people have different perspectives And we forget to take into account that that high school teacher may have not thought anything about what they said. They they may not even understand that what they said was inappropriate or could have come across inappropriate. But we have a different perspective because of who we're interacting with. And I think 
we come to teams together with this perspective that I'm working with other adults. So they should have the same beliefs and understanding that I do. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Well, and it just, you know, everyone's lived experience is different and everyone's lived experience impacts their understanding. Right. Yeah. So this Facebook is, I forget that you have to state expectations more than once. have to come back to it continually. You absolutely do. 100%. Okay. So we have shared four different assumptions. Next week, we're going to come back and talk about the other three assumptions. And I know you're probably thinking there are more assumptions. Oh yeah. There are more assumptions. That <laughs> there are seven, seven deadly. There are probably way more than that, but these are the seven that we decided, man, these are the big seven that truly get in the way of collaboration taking place. And like I said earlier, we want to be sure that you have a download of things to look for to see if maybe you're making those assumptions or maybe people in your team are making those assumptions. So you can, and I would love for someone, if you are um, some, an audience member or a viewer, if you would type this into the comments, that would be awesome. So people can just click on it and go. You can go to this bit.ly link, um, bit.ly slash deadly assumptions to grab this download. Alyssa has made this and it's awesome um, because you will get to like check off. Yes, this is what's happening or no, these things are not happening. And you can kind of decide, okay, where do I go from here? If we are making these assumptions, then this can be my starting point for making movement forward. So I want to end by having our viewers drop in the comments what you felt like was most useful for you here tonight. Do that for us. Be sure that you join us next week. And then Alyssa, you have something really specific that you're doing to help people lead collaboratively. Would you tell us a little bit more about that? Yes, I am actually launching the Crabtree Coaching Leadership Lab. It's a three-month experience where it's essentially run like a membership where you will have a micro teaching experience. The very first one is on self-efficacy. And as leaders, we have to invest in ourselves before we can invest in others. And um, then an online community where we have uh, weekly motivational opportunities. We have Q&As. There will be a few lives where people can actually come on. And if you have a burning question or a burning problem, we can kind of troubleshoot together. But if you are interested, um, go ahead. Heck, even in the chat right now, so you have as few steps as possible, just let me know if you are interested. Shoot me an email and I will make sure that you're registered. But you can also register at, um, well, if you see right here, you have uh, opt-in for just my email list. If you opt in here, you get my five steps for building collaborative teams. And I'll shoot you a registration link if you're interested in joining the Crabtree Coaching Leadership Lab. It starts Thursday. That's exciting. And it's going to be awesome, guys. Like, I'm telling you what, I just, and I said it earlier, we've only known each other for like, we've only interacted for the last two or three weeks. And everything that we have to share with you is what can make a tremendous impact on your entire 
organization. This is the deep, real work. This is where it's at. This is what's going to make a difference, not the products and programs that your schools purchase. This is where it's at. This is the people work. Um, So Alyssa, tell us where you, well, first of all, what do you, what it would be one thing, like just one thing that you would hope our viewers would take away from our conversation today? No matter your role in your organization, whether it's education, if you are in insurance, oil and gas, doesn't matter, whatever your role, check in on your teams. Mm -hmm. Um, Even if they are functioning, highly functioning at one point, it's not always the case. And maybe you are not necessarily a um, leader of many multiple teams, maybe just one. Check in on that team frequently. Have them check out the assumptions, take this download and have them fill it out. Because I will tell you, perception is key. And so I might feel like some of these things aren't going on, but someone else might. And so, you know, my biggest thing is keep investing in your teams. And maybe you're not even the leader of a team. Give this information to the leaders so that they can continue to grow and pump energy into your team. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Alyssa, where can people find you? They can find me on uh, social at Crabtree underscore coaching underscore collab. Find me on my website at CrabtreeCoachingCollaborative.org. And um, and then of course here, I will be here next week. That's right. Okay, guys, do us a favor. We want you to, if you are on YouTube, subscribe to this. Don't forget, you can catch this replay or share it with other people via Facebook, YouTube, Spotify. It's in all of those places so that you have access to it. And be sure that you catch us next week. Okay, we will catch you on the flip side. Bye, Thank everybody. Thanks everyone for coming. Thanks, Alyssa. Thank you, Casey.